for coaches, by coaches. This is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterly. Brought to you by social media for high school athletes. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast brought to you every single week by the good folks at Social Media for the High School Athletes. Check them out online at socialstudentathletes.com and all over social media platforms at HS Social Media. We here, because of them, get to put the show out for you for you for free every single week. You can go back and check out the archives, even go back and listen to episode one if this is your first episode. Go check them all out. It's because of them that you can listen to all the shows for free every single week. We're Got to give a big shout out to our friends over at Dutic Brand. We at Soccer Chat are members of Dutic Brand FC. Check out their website, dutikbrand.com, and use the promo code SOCCERCHAT after you purchase all of your amazing coaching accessories from everything from session cards, amazing notebooks, they're waterproof, a great beanie, and even Nick's favorite, the black on black uh, shirt that Tiffany actually just sported uh, a couple weeks ago on her Instagram page. So check it out, dutikbrand.com, dutikbrand.com, that's dutikbrand.com, and use the promo code SOCCERCHAT to get yourself a sweet discount. And shout out to our friends over at Torex. We here are members of Team Torex. That's T-O-R-R-X.com. Check them out for the greatest ball pump of all time. And as we've said for the last couple of weeks, Nick has his. And if you saw any of my uh, social media platforms, I received one of my own this week. Uh, shout out to a, a special uh, soccer chat uh, fan who shall not be named uh, for hooking me up. You didn't absolutely, you didn't have to, um, but uh, myself and and all of my future uh, soccer people who use it are thankful that you did. We put out, I, I now no longer, Nick, can say when we talk about Torx, I don't even have one and I love it that much. Yeah. Like I've, I've lost my, like, uh, what's it called? My, uh, my shtick. Well, it's funny because, like, I, I think it was Don Crow that said it one time where, like, her players fight for the ability to pump up balls. <laughs> now now my team does the same thing. Like, we get out to practice, and we don't – like, our balls, like, stay pumped for multiple days in a row. Like, they don't, like, deflate. But our, our girls would be, like, out there, like, testing it. Like, <laughs> like just sticking the pump in the ball and just be like, oh, it, it's it's still at the pressure it should be right now. So, um I thought it was funny when I when I got mine and got it opened and and did the the video for it. The first thing was my my wife who just started uh, coaching Quinn's league looks at me and goes so you're gonna air up that ball bag that I got right because she got uh, you know obviously for recreation you get a ball bag with a bunch of balls in it and proceed to let me know that I was now going to use that to pump up her balls which I did uh, good husband award um, and then I took it to practice and I asked all my players I was, you know who needs air in their ball. Uh, and you know, someone raised their hand and I had them send me the ball and I was airing them up and all the parents were just like, what is that machine? I was like, Oh, let me tell you what this machine is. <laughs> I, I, uh, due to Bobby Papioni, I know exactly how to advertise this right now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, th- then it was just the so many questions like, where do we get it at? How can we get it? And just going on and on and on. Um, and I gave them all the information. So if you, are, are a member of Team Torx already, and you haven't, give them an Amazon review. Let them know that the Soccer Chat guy sent you. If you haven't bought one yet, do it right now. Don't waste any more time. Go do it right now. It'll be worth it. Make sure to let them know Soccer Chat guy sent you, and be ready to experience the greatest ball pump you will ever see. I don't think there's even the thought of an invention that could be better than a Torx. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, how's your week been, man? Preseason got going. Dude, it's crazy. Like, I was joking. We we had our fifth day of practices today, and 
I like honestly, it's felt it feels like we've been here for like a decade already. It's it's nuts. <laughs> like for anyone that's been through preseason, I'm sure they know the feeling where you're just you 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 feel like you've been around your team and your players for weeks and months and years and like I looked and like we haven't even been here for like today was our fifth day and it's just like holy cow like it is it's fine but in a good way it's it's my team's doing a good job of making my life really difficult yeah it um I don't know it's just it's been kind of good to get back into the swing of things uh my my club team's been going uh we've been getting that going um Quinn's been starting so it's like we have soccer Right now it's three days a week, but then once our seasons get started, we're going to have soccer basically like every day, but Friday uh, and Sunday. Well, no, I'll have Sunday games, but uh, uh, so it'll be like one night a week <laughs> where, where there's no soccer in the uh, in the soldering house. But uh, other than that, I mean, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, um, you know, I like to tease things and sometimes it's a good thing or a bad thing. But all I can tell you, Nick, is September 4th. Remember that date. Mark it on your calendar. If you're listening to this right now, go to your calendar on your phone or if you have your Dutic brand uh, calendar out on your notebook, go to September 4th and mark that date down for a massive, massive announcement. I mean, it's that's the day after my birthday, so it should be pretty easy. Your birthday's the third. That's correct. Oh, well, Nick, I've got a happy birthday announcement for you. It's, it's, I mean, that's a great present. I, I was <laughs> like, normally I'm playing a soccer game on my birthday. This is like one of the few years where I'm not actually playing a soccer game on my birthday. So, welcome to, to the Getting Old Club. It, it is like, it's funny. My girlfriend was asking me, like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, literally not to turn 32. So, if you can make that happen, <laughs> but whatever you do to make that happen. <laughs> I know there's a lot of things that uh, your family and friends would try to get for you for your birthday, but I don't know if that's one of them that they're going to attempt. No, I don't know if it's possible. They, uh, I, I mean, like if, if, if it's possible, anyone that out there that has figured that out, let me know, but I would love <laughs> to not turn 32. I know one way that can make you happy. We may not be able to keep you from turning 32, Nick, but I know that if anybody who's in your area or they have the ability to ship, I bet that you would enjoy getting a gift that involves cardboard box filled with 24 ounce 24 aluminum cans inside of it i would appreciate that i i'm running short right now <laughs> well somebody somebody get this guy some beverages on september 3rd um man we got some like really cool interviews for the next couple weeks and we had made a um on our 100th uh episode we talked about like are we, I think a question that we had answered uh, was about, you know, like, what were we looking for in the future as when it comes to guests and things like that? And we mentioned about having, you know, a national team person, uh, coach uh, on on the show. And I don't know if we ever specifically said like Jill Ellis or Greg Berhalter. I think we just said like somebody from the national team. And yep. lucky for us, uh, we were able to connect with someone who actually was just with uh, the national team in France uh, during their, their World Cup. Um, I, I can't even come up with a, uh, an adjective to talk about like how amazing and dominant, uh, they were. Um, but he was, uh, he was over there during the, 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 the games in France and was able to, uh, give us some time of his day and, and talk to us about how he got to that moment of being in France with the U S national team. It's coming up right after this new message from Top Soccer. Hello, my name is Amanda Blackburn and I run a Top Soccer program in Sedalia, Missouri. I was inspired to start a program when I saw a very special young man named TJ playing for our local team. 
TJ has some physical challenges and was selected by his fellow teammates to take a penalty kick in a game. TJ missed his first attempt. The opposing players didn't take advantage like they could have. They gave TJ another chance. He missed again. Once again, the other team gave him another chance. By this time, the entire fans of both teams held their breath. The third time was a charm. TJ scored and received a standing ovation from everyone. Seeing how this interaction among his peers made such a positive impact in everyone around him inspired me to take action to serve those players who didn't have the same opportunity as TJ to play soccer. With the support of Missouri Youth Soccer and USU Soccer, we put together a local top soccer program. The program is currently in its fifth year now, and it continues to grow in size each season. If you are involved in soccer, I urge you to look at how you can serve others and meet a need in your community with top soccer. Everyone, players, and volunteers will be inspired by being a part of this wonderful program. Don't wait another second. Start or get involved with the top soccer program in your community today. Until the philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war it's a war that until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes. Miss a war that until the basic human. Nick and I, a few months ago, when we had our 100th episode, made some predictions of things that we wanted to happen on this show. And while the, the names may not be the same, the stature of the person that we that we've got on matches all those and i was very fortunate uh the summer to happen to work at camp out in california where i met so many amazing people i i think there was only maybe at that camp maybe two people i knew ahead of time but i just enjoyed meeting 47 other people that i'd never met before and i was very very fortunate uh to meet our guest with us this evening from the university of oregon i you know what let's go through the list Oh. You want to talk about you want to talk about from started from the bottom. Now we're here. My man started off coaching his high school alma mater, all right, and then went to the college level, and then got into the pro level, and uh, you know now with the uh, the University of Oregon. But he's also scouting coordinator with the national program. Was an analyst. This man was over in France during the World Cup. Heard that I was at a camp in California. Hopped on a plane, left the World Cup to come hang out with your boy. I mean, I, I can't give him any more credit than that. But we have with us Manny Martins from the University of Oregon, from the United States national team. Manny, we are not worthy. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my. Well, thank you. Uh, gosh, you, you, the way you introduced me made me think I'm, uh, I've done a little more than what I've actually done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was very kind of very did, cool introduction. 
Do not sell yourself short, Manny. My own team at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the thing about soccer chat um, before we kind of get into our discussion is our our philosophy is that, you know, to know who you are, the coach now, we've kind of got to know how you got to this point. And I just went over some some. Uh, bullet points of, of where you've been and what you've done, but let's we always and we love that like unconventional way of, of how coaches rise. So I love the fact that you coached your own high school team that you played for, and then now you're you're Manny Martins. And like, so how do we get to this point? Tell us how it all began. Well, that's uh, you know, it's maybe not quite as uh, as as you know amazing as as you as you may think it was very very simple i uh you know came to to the u.s when i was 17 and uh, you know went to a high school where i played and um after i was done playing funny enough i i didn't i didn't think i was going to be coaching but um a former teacher of mine that uh that was coaching the the high school team is a, a former marine and uh, at the time the high school team was having a lot of disciplinary issues the, they had gotten kicked out of, of, a, of a tournament because of uh, behavioral issues. So they had him be the disciplinarian and take over the team. But he needed someone to support him and teach the soccer piece. Um, I had just finished in playing, so I, I didn't know really much about coaching, but I thought I did. So, so I, uh, I accepted the challenge. I didn't really have much better, anything much better to do. And uh, our first year, we went 1-13, and I wanted to quit. Uh, <laughs> and he told me, you know what, hang on. He used to call me Martins. He was a very military guy. He called me my, my last name. Martins, hang on. Let's, uh, you know, let's give us some time. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, it was the best decision I did was, I made was to decide to, to stick around for another season. And, uh, you know, and then there was just a bond with the, with the kids and, uh, you know, the soccer then started to come around and, uh, you know, we finished 500 our second season and then we won the conference, I think, six out of seven or eight years. And, uh, you know, it was an incredible experience and my passion for the game started from, from as a coach, started from there. Take us back to that one in 13 season. My, you know, there was a lot. I know of, you don't want to revisit that, <laughs> but let's, know, let's actually, go into it. It is important to revisit because it's important to go back and, you know, not forget where you came from. You know, it's yeah. that gives you perspective, uh, you know, when uh, when things are not going your way, you know, it allows you to go back and see that, uh, you know, things are much better maybe than they've been at one point. Um, and sometimes we tend to overlook that. But uh, it was great. I mean, those great memories uh, a lot of learning, uh, a lot of just understanding how to manage and, uh, and, and be able to work with people. Uh, I remember one of the stories was we had two brothers that played on the team and, uh, you know, they, they were a bit of a, you know, rough boys and used to run around with, uh, with neighborhood gangs. And, uh, one time we, you know, before a game, we found them under the bleachers, um, smoking, and uh, and they were really really good. So it was, that was my very first tough decision because at the time I was really young and I just wanted to win games. So mm-hmm. my first thought was, oh well, let's you know let's talk to them after. Let's play the game. Let's <laughs> if we can win and then we'll we'll solve it. And uh, and I learned a lesson that day with the uh, um, you know so the other guy was the Marine. He's like, no, this is you know if this team is ever going to be anything we have to make a statement here and you know looking back we did you know the boys were suspended for a couple games 
but they were better for it. We did fine. We ended up winning the game anyway. But uh, but I feel like it was a little bit of a turning point. Uh, so it was incredible. I mean, I, I still I'm still connected with some of those men now who now have children who play. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a great beginning. I still have family in the area and still go back. Um, sometimes just drive by the school just to show my kids where I came from. That's so cool. Yeah. And how many how many of them uh, of those those guys that you coach like now they're like they're looking at you like man that guy that guy look where he's at now. Yeah, you know, th- actually some of them are coaching now, coaching club down in the in the LA area, Southern California area. Um, again, still stay in touch with them. I mean, and and thinking back, you know, one of the most touching experiences I had um, as a coach and really touched me was. It was one Christmas Eve that I, you know, one of my former players at the high school, he was, um, after high school, he went to, to the military and he was in Afghanistan. And he called me on Christmas Eve and they only have certain number of calls that they could make. And the fact that he elected to call me, you know, it was really touching. And for me, that was, uh, I think it was my third year coaching. It really opened my eyes to, you know, what my role was beyond soccer. And, uh, you know, the impact that I that I could have in their lives and and, you know, the responsibility that came with it. Um, but, you know, along with him, you know, there's a, I coached two of his younger brothers. So those are the Lopez brothers. And um, and then so many of them are still coaching now and, you know, still in touch. You know, every time I go to Southern California, I tend to meet with one or two of them. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a strong bond still back to that group and other groups beyond what uh you know if there's something that you could go back to young martins back then and you know with the knowledge that you have now and where you've been what is something that you would tell tell young martins in that that first couple of seasons with that group oh gosh um gosh look i would say look in a mirror you know you're you know you're you're young you make mistakes you don't know it all um and accept the fact that, uh, you know, that people are not perfect. You know, because I guess, that, you know, at the time, you know, when you're young and fired up coach, you know, you tend to be, you know, very black and white in, uh, in how you do things, what your rules are and your standards. Um, and so I maybe initially wasn't uh, a very forgiving person. Um, I've learned a lot since then. With, uh, you know, how did you... Was there a moment in those times where you thought to yourself, like, okay, like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Because we all have that. Nick normally can will, will ask, you know, when was that moment that you knew, like, okay, either A, like, I, I can handle this, or B, like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Yeah, there was, uh, you know, gosh, I think it was my fourth season coaching. So, uh, it, you know, and, and the high school is, you know, in the neighborhood where, you know, most families are under underprivileged families, and so I took the team from Los Angeles to a tournament in uh, in Tampa, Florida, and we fundraised. And uh, everyone thought I was crazy that I took a group of about twenty boys, you know, from various backgrounds. Some of them a bit rough guys, you know, across the country with just one other coach, another male coach, and. Uh, and you know, and looking back, yes, it was crazy. But uh, <laughs> the boys did great, no issues, no problems. But you know, that you know, snowballed into a great season. Snowballed into bonds that you know I speak of now. 
and it made me realize that you know the the game was an opportunity for me to impact people on levels far beyond wins and losses and that's when i realized that i wanted to try to pursue it as a career and i remember turning to the guy i used to work with who was the person in charge and i told him hey i want to be uh, a collegiate i specifically said i want to be a division one collegiate coach uh, and he's like, oh, great. How, what's your plan? And I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. How to do that. <laughs> but I guess, you know, if I'm going to do it, I have to say it first. Uh, I didn't have a plan, but I just my plan was I'm going to coach. And whenever there's opportunities, you know, I'm going to you know, I'm going to do the best I can to uh, continue to advance. And uh, and I've been very, very fortunate. I uh, came across uh, some great mentors, some people that uh, that gave me an opportunity and um, and from and those things have snowballed into other opportunities. Now I believe I'm a strong believer in working hard. I don't think I'm uh, I don't think I'm smarter or more talented than anybody. Uh, but I got no issues working hard and working as hard as it takes to uh, to accomplish uh, whatever it is that I need to accomplish. Uh, and I, you know, I, I believe in resilience as well. That's awesome. Like one of the things I was curious about was like. What was it like coming from Portugal to the United States when you were that young? You know, it was it was uh, it was interesting because I, I you know, and it's a long story that's maybe not so related to this, but I started living by myself when I was fifteen in Portugal. Holy cow! Yo, I had dropped off of dropped out of school. I started. I was working selling timeshare, and um, and I actually, you know, to be honest, I tell people, I you know, back then I felt like I was living my my best life because. I was making fairly good amount of money for a 15, 16 year old in the south of Portugal. It, it, life was fun for me at the time. But, oh, I uh, guarantee it. Yeah, no, there, you know, I, I like to say I, I thought I was a rock star. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but, you know, obviously there was no no real future that was going to come of it. So so eventually my mother convinced me to come to the U.S. just to finish high school. Um, you know, so I did. Um, and I, you know, I stayed here because my senior year of high school, I met a young lady that is now my wife and you know, everything. Right? but, uh, but funny thing is when I came, you know, in Europe, you know, back then, I don't know now, but back then growing up in Europe, I always thought soccer in the U S, um, uh, you know, was a really low level. And so I assumed that I was going to come and arrive at the high school. I was going to be a superstar and I was just going to walk all over everyone and and i did all right but, uh, it <laughs> no, you can tell us how well player. you really did i was not the best player on my team um you know and I, and I came to you know in the los angeles area san fernando valley the high school i went to you know is in a community that's highly latin based a lot of people from mexico and from central america and south america and so my whole team was was really really good and i you know i was made I don't know if I was a top five player on the team, but uh, I was talented, but not uh, by f in any way, shape or form, a dominant player. And and that was kind of a little bit of a shock for me because <laughs> this idea that I had was uh, was totally different. Uh, you know, the other thing that was different was just culturally and especially for me had had already been living by myself for a little while. And just in Europe, I feel like kids tend to mature a little faster. So that was a bit of an adjustment for me, get, having to go back to high school. But uh, but again, great friendships, and uh, you know, met my wife there, so wouldn't have done anything different. 
so like there's so you you come over here from Portugal, no family in the California area, or did you who was like well, you, that's well, insane. Yeah. Oh gosh, man. You we, we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff that's not even. Talking. <laughs> um, so it's I, all about your journey, man. It's all about your journey. Yeah, so so growing up in Portugal, my mother was. Uh, was converted into the the LDS church, so the the Mormon church. Yeah, and uh, you know, so the the missionary that converted my mom at the time became a really big family member. So I mean, friend of the family and now family member. He's yeah. he's my godfather. Um, so when I was living by myself, I dropped out of school. My mom spoke to him, and he he agreed to have me over with this family to come and stay and do wow. my high school. So that's how I ended up coming. I stayed, uh, I stayed with my godfather's family for a couple of years while I finished high school. Uh, so, but that's how I ended up uh, coming here. That's so cool. Yeah. So did, so did you have that label of like, cause I, th- I think of all time of, especially like in our local area, when uh, exchange students come over yeah. and teams find out that, you know, the exchange students go to play soccer when uh, I, Probably obviously different because in California, you know, a big Hispanic base, the kids are all there, they're all playing. But was there the stigma like, hey, we got this Portuguese kid coming in and he's he's like, I feel like the anytime a kid comes from out of the country, even for like those who are Hispanic within the within the states are like, oh, we've got this European guy coming over. It, like He's going to be so good. And then you show up and they're like, oh, he's not even top five. Like he's yeah. good, but he's not top five. So yeah. like, did you have that label when you come over? 100 percent. So, so that's exactly, and, and again, some of those guys are still really good friends of mine, and we laugh about that all the time because, and again, some of the guys I played with, they were U.S. under 17 national team. And they, I mean, we, there were some really, really good players. Yeah. And I, I, I was never even close to being on the national <laughs> part. Uh, so, so, yes, no, yeah, it, we, we laugh about that all the time that they, you know, that it, it's almost like the hype was such that it was almost like a disappointment. Beyond, you know, I was pretty good, but yeah, it's like it made made me look like I wasn't even as good as I was because they were expecting so much more. So it's laugh about it all the time. And and honestly, like with you know with Nick and myself, you know, being from the states, like I would never know what that's like to have the stigma. I guess like if I move to another country and and I I, they hear I'm going to play basketball or something, like oh my gosh, we got an American, he's he's going to play basketball, and I get out there and they're like, oh, he's like five foot nine. This you know this isn't going to work. It, it, I always like hearing those stories of uh, people who do come here from the States and just having that instant attachment of like, oh, Europeans going to play soccer. You know, it's going to be the best one here. Um, and that is crazy. And I think that we ne- we definitely need to do another discussion with you sometime about like coming over here at 15 <laughs> on your own. Like that's insane. But the, but the cool thing is, you know, like you said, like living with with Godfather's family members, like how awesome that is and the opportunities that that brought you. Um you know, and you mentioned that you wanted to, uh, you wanted to coach college soccer. You, you didn't know how you were going to get there, but you wanted to do that. So, what was Manny's process? You know, realize, okay, I'm coaching high school now. Uh, I want to be a college head coach. Uh, you know, at the at the top, the highest level. What was the steps that Manny had to take to get there? Well, it was interesting. So it was it was a bit of a of a, a journey. I don't know if it's unique or not, but it was it was quite a, a journey for me because. So in the area, coaching high school, my high school team did really well. Um, and so you build relationships. And, uh, and so there was some local clubs that, um, that started to emerge. So the whole club scene, youth club scene started to emerge. And, that, and I figured, well, 
in order to progress, I, I'm going to have to do something more than just coaching high school. And so for a couple of years, I was trying to get a, a job at some of the local clubs and just couldn't. And, um, and it, it, you know, I always felt like in a San Fernando Valley, there was a little bit of a, uh, of a closed circle. You're either in or you're not. And, uh, and I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't a byproduct of the area. I was someone that came in. And so and even though I, you know, I had positive relationships with the local soccer community, you know, I had a strong accent. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think I ticked all the boxes. Um, you know, sometimes in a soccer community, we can be a little bit arrogant. Uh, you know, someone doesn't have a license. So yeah. People pass judgment. Uh, so anyhow, so for, for a couple of years, I tried to get a, I couldn't get the lowest level team on any smallest club, you know, just wouldn't, they wouldn't give me the job. Um, but uh, I, you know, after graduating, I played one year for the local junior college, uh, LA Mission College. And, um, and then the, the, the program went away because of uh, budget issues. So after my season, they didn't have the program for about three or four years. And then they brought the program back. And the, the, the AD called me and asked me if I would want to coach the team. And I was flattered. I, I was excited about it, but I was really nervous and scared because I was like, I, I, I'm not pre I'm prepared to coach college. I, I've only done high school. I, I don't know what it looks like. So I called him back and I told him, look, I'd love to be a part of it. I don't think I'm ready to be a head coach, but, um, you know, whoever you hire, I'd love to be to, a, to interview for the assistant coach uh, position. And so he asked me if I knew anyone that I would recommend. And, uh, and at the time, there was a coach from a rival high school, a little older than me, was more experienced, that, uh, that I said, well, I think I know someone. I'll check, see if he's interested. Long story short, he was interested. He took the head coaching job. I came in as his assistant. And it was the best thing I did because I learned a lot under him. We had a lot of success. Uh, again, at the junior college level in California, you can tap into, you know. Lots of resources there. That are very very talented, you know, especially on the men's side, right? Because it's a little bit different than the women's side, where on the men's side, a lot of times the best players are not the best students, so mm -hmm. going straight to a four-year school. So I coached there for three years, and uh, and again, there's a little bit of a side story how I went from there to Cal Poly Pomona. So I, um, you know, enjoyed my time at uh, at the JC again. Learned a lot. Uh, learned recruiting because I had to do recruiting learn managing a uh, close to zero budget and try to make it into something. Um, and then, uh, but at the same time, uh, so my godfather who, who brought me here, he was, he was a child star here in the United States. And so his family's in the show business, his sister is an agent. And at the time there was, you know, World Cup, uh, gosh, what World Cup was this? So back in uh, 2000, I want to say 94, 98, 02. World Cup. So prior to the 2002 World Cup, she found me an opportunity to get uh, to do some commercials. Oh, superstar. Commercial for Home Depot, I did a commercial for American Airlines. And at this American Airlines commercial, uh, I, you know, one of the people in the commercial with me was Paul Caligari. Um, so... I did, at the time didn't really know who Paul was. I learned mm -hmm. who he was and his magnitude. Obviously, 
his impact in the in American soccer, and we became really good friends. Um, after he retired from the LA Galaxy, he got the job at Cal Poly Pomona, and he called me, asked me if I would if I would be interested in coming to be his assistant coach. You know, your so side stories couple, are incredible. Oh, I mean, right. I, coaching high school can't get a, a, a club job at the smallest club, the U8 team. I yeah. Get, you know, was lucky enough to, and again, and, and, I, and, and it's not because I'm super down or anything, but, you know, I try to work with integrity. I work hard and I'm respectful and considerate. And I think that's what has opened some doors. Uh, so I got the opportunity for the college. And then when Paul called, uh, you know, at the time I was working full time for Starbucks and mm-hmm. I at the JC as a part time job. And, uh, you know, I was my wife and I had a had a young child and we were pregnant with our second with my daughter. And I was a store manager at Starbucks. I was in a process of being promoted to um, a district manager. And, you know, at the time, you know, that this was back in like 2000 and three 2004 before the big starbucks boom yeah so at the time i would have uh i'd have made i don't know like 60 70 thousand dollars a year to be a district manager and you know i sat down spoke to my wife and uh you know here's this opportunity to go coach at a division two school for twenty thousand dollars a year (laughs) (laughs) but i was gonna have to leave starbucks and uh you know again i've been blessed that uh, my wife's always been super supportive and uh and, you know, she was she was all in. And, you know, we were really young and with, uh, again, one child and one on the way it was a big risk. Um, but again, I, probably one of the best one of the best professional decisions I made, because that's where I completed my collegiate degree. I learned again. I learned a lot there from, you know, working with Paul um, and there I was his assistant on the men's side. But that was my first time where because he was the head coach for the men and the women. Mm-hmm. It was my first time to actually be around a lot of the women's program. Uh, so I learned a lot about it and we interacted and collaborated on some of the stuff. Um, so I was there for three years. Got my, um, my uh, uh, college degree. And then, uh, you know, there was a long commute. And in Southern California, 45 miles can be yeah. up for three hours. And, you know, after three years of that, going back and forth. And at the time now we have two kids. My days were really, really long. Um, you know, I decided to resign and came back home, you know, and just stay closer to home. And now I was able to get a job with the local youth club. Uh, and uh, there go. he I, was in TV commercials. We got to bring him back in. Yeah. <laughs> so so I was able to get that job. And, and funny enough is the person who hired me at the time was Louise Lieberman, who, who after that became uh, – assistant coach at UCLA and is now the head coach for University of San Diego. And we're like really good friends now. We're almost like family. You know, she's, she's Brazilian. We both speak Portuguese, mm-hmm. so we were connected. But so she was the one who hired me for this club, uh, which was called LA Rampage. So I went to Rampage, so got out of the college game and um, coached LA Rampage for about four months and got a call from the AD at the junior college again. And, uh, and uh, the women's team needed a coach, um, and he asked me if I was interested. So, so I took the head coach job for the women's team at the JC, stayed at the club, worked up um, 
worked my way up within the club, became a, a, one of the uh, DOCs on the girls' side. Um, you know, did that for three seasons. And then the guy who had taken the head coaching job on the men's side that I introduced, he left. So the head coach, the, the AD moved me to the men's side. Coached the men's team for a season. And then just short of my starting my second season um, in July, uh, BJ over at UCLA offered me the assistant coaching job um, at UCLA. And, uh, you know, and again, that was, you know, obviously that was a no brainer uh, as far as a professional decision. But it was actually a really tough decision because I, uh, I, I, I like to say I coach through relationships. I connect to people. And, uh, and so I was connected to that group of young men at the time, and it was July, so we're about to start our season. And, and here I am now conflicted with a decision to just walk away from them. Um, obviously, I did, but it was, it was really, really tough. Um, but again, professionally, it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass, you know, especially if my goal that I set a few years back was to be a Division I college coach. Um, I, I couldn't bypass that opportunity. So, so I did take that opportunity and went on to UCLA. Yeah. No, and that's awesome. Like, we, I mean, we all know UCLA soccer now is just incredible. Like, how was it back then when you joined the squad as an assistant coach? Was it as at the same level that it is now with where it's they're expecting to compete for national titles every single year? Yeah. Yeah, so I came in when, when Jill left. So Jill, when Jill left UCLA, BJ um, was hired as the head coach. So he had already been there for five years, but he was promoted to head coach. And then I came in. So and when I came in, UCLA had already been, gosh, they had been seven years in a row in the, in the final four. Uh, and I think four of those seven in a national championship. They just hadn't won it. But, uh, but UCLA was already the monster pretty much that it is today. And, uh, and I came in with a class of Sam Mewis, Abby Del Camper, Sarah Killian, Caprice Tidasco. You're uh, speaking I mean, Nick's language now. Sam Mewis, oh, that's his That's my that's favorite. His pick. Oh, yeah. No, that's, I mean, uh, that was an incredible class. Not just soccer players, but incredible class of human beings. And, uh, and again, uh, it, you know, it's funny because people ask me, you know, sort of the same question you asked, you know, your journey. How would you get here? What it's like? I, I really can't tell you how I get, you know, I'm telling you, but it's like none of it was uh, – was pre-planned. It was being at the right place at the right time, and and somehow people felt I was ready for it. And then I just worked my tail off to prove them right. Uh, but uh, but but as you can see, it's always been sort of like a perfect storm that just happens, and I happen to be there. Um, this you know being at UCLA at the time that I was, you know I got to work with again one of my closest friends, which is Louise Lieberman. I. I, I was hired and developed a friendship with, again, one of my mentors and closest friends in B.J. Snow uh, and worked and coached some of the best players in the world um, and, and phenomenal human beings. And uh, so lucky is an understatement um, to say. But, yeah, UCLA at the time was already we, – we thought we, we were – going to challenge and potentially win a national championship that first year, the first year I was there, which was uh, their whole class freshman year. You know, obviously they did it as juniors. Um, and I was, 
you know, really happy to see that. But uh, but it was interesting that even back then it was already the standard was, you know, the expectation was to compete for a national championship. Like when like leaving that had to have been pretty tough. But like, what was the decision like to go from UCLA to Oregon? Well, I didn't go directly from UCLA to Oregon. Okay. So, so what happened was, uh, you know, BJ left um, UCLA because he had the opportunity to take over the uh, under-17 women's national team. Uh, so the federation came after him. He took the job. And, uh, you know, as you know, in this, in this industry, you know, you're a head coach. You, you decide who your staff is. And I get that. And UCLA, the whole time, were you know, first class with me. I have no, uh, no complaints, no issues whatsoever, you know. So as they went through the hiring process, Louise and I stayed around, um, ran the program through the spring, and then they hired Amanda. Amanda brought a staff with her. Um, she decided, you know, she had room for one coach to stay on board. Obviously, Lou played at UCLA. Was, you know, she was, in the time we were there, if there was a first and second coach, she would have been the, the first assistant. So she stayed on board, uh, and I moved on. So I just went back to coaching club. At the time, I was a DOC at um, uh, at a club that's known as LA Premier. It's one of the, the clubs in Pasadena. So I was a DOC on the girls' side, and I was coaching at UCLA. Uh, so I just went back to doing my club. And, um, and so this was uh, in April when I ended my job at UCLA. And then in June, I got a call from BJ. Uh, asking me to count, come into camp with the under-17 national team. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was an incredible honor. I, I didn't see that coming whatsoever. Uh, that was definitely- Yeah, because that's not a phone call Nick or I are going to get. Not any you know what? You never know. You, you know what? I would have <laughs> said the same thing. I would have said the same thing. I, I would have never expected. I, I, look, if, if, if we are talking, gosh, a year ago today, I wouldn't. I would not have guessed that I would have been at the at the World Cup this past summer with the with the women's national team. So you never know. You really never know. You're giving me too much hope, Manny. Well, you know what? If, if there's <laughs> no hope, why do it? You know, right? You know, I'm a dreamer. You know, so. But uh, but yeah, so I I got that call. I was excited. Um, you know, and I figured, hey, you know what? He needs help for this one camp, uh, and if he thinks I can help, I'm gonna go out there and try to do my best job. So I show up, our first training session, I didn't have cleats, forgot my cleats. So I was like, rookie move, you know. And, but I have a good relationship <laughs> with BJ, and, uh, and he's, he's got a tremendous sense of humor. So, you know, he gave me a hard time for it, uh, as, as you would expect. Um, and then second or third day, I oversleep, you know. And so, so this camp was at Ohio State, and they, they have this amazing hotel on campus. And it's great. So we didn't even have to leave the hotel to have meetings and things like that. And so we didn't have to go to breakfast together. There was nothing that was going on, but we typically all showed up around the same time. So I think this is day three. I don't show up for breakfast. And, uh, you know, and BJ is like, hmm, that's not like many, you know, and especially it's his first camp. He's probably going to be around everything. You know, he's not going to, uh, which is, which is right. So he comes and, uh, Knocks at my door and I don't answer. Knocks and I don't answer. And he's like, now he's worried. He's calling me. I'm not answering. He's getting a little bit nervous. And this is a story that he tells people, and it's hilarious. Obviously, I'm telling his story because <laughs> I, I'm I'm asleep. I don't know what's going on. 
So he, uh, he, he tracks down a, um, you know, one of the hotel maids and, you know, cause now he's really worried and, uh, and he's asked if they can open the, the room. So they opened the room. And at the time his, his assistant goalkeeper coach was, uh, uh, Graham Abel, who was the goalkeeper coach for, for the women's team in, uh, in his last two world cups. So BJ and Graham burst into my room and, uh, and, and apparently BJ is calling my name. So he's like, Manny. And I don't respond. Manny. And I don't. So he's called me like three or four times. And then he's like, he says in the back of his mind, he's thinking, these guys died. And I'm going to have to call Lorraine and my wife to tell him, <laughs> tell her that Manny just died. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so and apparently I'm asleep with my arms just like this. <laughs> oh, and, man. Uh, and he shouts my name really loud. And I sit up. And this is now I remember this. I. I look at him and Graham and I'm like, what are you guys doing in my room? Like, just this calm. Like, I'm so confused. Yeah. And, uh, but anyhow, so that was my very first camp with the national team. <laughs> and the guys think I died on day three. So <laughs> when, uh, so, so when, by the time, you know, in that camp, that, this was like Mallory Pugh's cycle, um, Ellie Jean. I mean, we had a phenomenal team, phenomenal players, great people. Um, you know, who was it? Alana Cook, who played at Stanford, who's now at PSG. Uh, we had, um, gosh, uh, Madison Haley, who's at Stanford now. Uh, Keegan McGrady, an incredible group of, of players and people. So it was a lot of fun, you know, but I was, I thought, at the end of the camp, I was like, hey, thank you, BJ. This was an incredible experience. Learned a lot. I hope I was productive and helpful. If you ever need me again, don't hesitate to call me. I take my flight home. I, you know, tell my, my, my story to my family. I was like, you know, it was great. At least I got to do that once. Uh, I was shocked when I got the call to come back again. And then, you know, eventually, you know, BJ asked me to stay as, as assistant coach for the cycle. So I ended up staying on board for the cycle. And, uh, and again, it was something that I didn't see coming. Um, again, being at the right place at the right time and just put my head down and work my tail off uh, paid off. So I stayed there. I did that that cycle. Uh, we fell short of qualifying, and um, and then at the end of the cycle, so we went through the college season. I was with the national team. At the end of the cycle, I got a call from Kat Mertz. Um, she had opened. She had been at Oregon for a season. Uh, her one of our assistant coaches had left, and uh, she had a position open. So I. You know, at the time I thought, gosh, what an opportunity because, you know, the universe, and, and now that I know that I'm here, I, I know so much more. But even then, look, from the outside looking in, I thought, man, the University of Oregon is an incredible place. It's a sleep. Having been in a Pac-12, we always said Oregon's a sleeping giant. It's just a matter of time. is not if. Um, and, uh, you know, so I spoke to my wife. And that was a tough decision from a family standpoint. Because my wife was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, her siblings are there, her extended family, and uh, you know, my, my wife comes from a Mexican family, very, very traditional. On the weekends, yeah. a barbecue somewhere, a, <laughs> a wedding, a baptism, whatever it may be, everyone's together. So to to move, you know, almost 900 miles north was not a, an easy decision. But again, she's always been super supportive, and she said, "Hey, you know what? Let's." Uh, you know, let's let's go check it out. She says, I'm up to checking it out and we'll see what happens. So we fly to Eugene 
for for a visit and uh, not a funny story we get to the airport and uh, and my youngest son who's eight now at the time he was uh gosh, he was three he was not even three yet he was two going on three and uh, he comes with us so cat merge picks us up at the airport <laughs> the two the three of us we have the car seat um, we get up to her car. She she grabs the car seat from me, puts it in a trunk, closes the trunk, <laughs> and we look at her and says, "Cat, uh, we actually we need the car seat for the kid." It was so, and she was laughing. Now she has two kids, and she's the best person to put it. If you need someone to put a car seat in a car safely, you call Cat, and she uh, she's got that down for sure. But uh, we'll never let her live that down. Uh, but you know. From 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 day one, I mean, there was a good connection with Kat. I mean, I you know she's my boss, but I tell her she's like, and we're the same age, so we're same birth year, so we're both like in our early twenties. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, see, <laughs> I, we, um, we we really connect. We you know we relate to a lot of things. Obviously, you know her path you know came from working with April and working with Jill, and you know so there was. A lot of crossover, even though I didn't work directly under Jill, I came across Jill a lot, whether it was national team stuff and, yeah. uh, and the transition at UCLA. So there was a lot of um, a lot of commonality and, and people we could relate to. And then just, you know, in the five years that I've been working here with her, we've we're like family, we really, really became like family. Uh, but uh, but yeah, anyhow, I kind of went on a tangent there, but I, I came on the visit, spent a couple of days in Eugene. Uh, fell in love with the place, fell in love with the university. Um, you know, the wife loved it. You know, when we were on the way out, uh, when the interview was over, flying out of Eugene at five in the morning, we run into the our SWA, and you know, she was super kind to to my child, to my family. You know, so welcoming. It would just felt it just felt right. So we got back on the flight home. You know, and, uh, when the wife said, "You know what? I can do it." I was excited because, you know, this was a challenge I wanted to take, but wouldn't do it without the family. So that's, you know, that's sort of how I ended up at the University of Oregon. That's so cool, man. Like your journey is like, that's like no disrespect to all the other hundred and uh, like 10 people that we've had on the show. But like what you have just told us, like that's what the show is all about. Because there's somebody listening to this right now who's who's that high school coach and they have that dream of being with either the national program or a high level college program. And they're just thinking like, how can I get there? And honestly, like your story matches exactly what like this is all about. And like, you know, for myself, like you mentioned, you know, moving your wife from California to Oregon and, you know, having that conversation, like those are things that my wife and I now have the, the conversation about, okay, like if, if something is to come up and it is, wherever you know coaching wise like is that somewhere that you know we we can make it work and things along those lines and it's so just like that just embodies what like soccer chat is all about because like there's somebody somewhere who's going to hear the story who's going through the exact same thing probably not with the the exact same one in 13 season in their first year um but just like like i said man like you mentioned yourself that you're a dreamer and i said you give us hope because like i can remember my first college coaching job like the first day that i'm there I'm asked like, what's your goal? Where do you want to get to? And I was like, I want to work for the national program. I didn't care how, what team it was. Like, even if I was the water boy or I made their tweets for him, I didn't care. I just want to work for the national program. And then that, like, there was a few years after that where that, like that dream kind of died. And it was like, whatever. But then hearing your story, it's like, man, like you know what? 
it's 2019. Let's shoot our shot. Let's see what we can do here. And it's just, it's so incredible. And you, we mentioned too about, um, <laughs> got a, my little ones, uh, having a fit in the background. Um, you know, when, when you were, and we get, we didn't get to talk about it much, um, while we were at uh, exact California, but how is that mindset for you as, as a coach to be over there in that setting, in that environment, uh, you know, helping this team a, a, attempt to, you know, the best team in the world. I, and I will go far men's and women's. They are the best team in the world. Um, you're, you're helping this team, uh, get to this goal that they're trying to reach, but yet you can hit on a plane, go back over, represent Oregon, do a great job coaching, what is that switch like? Cause I, I, and you did an awesome job cause we were watching the, the England game. You gave a halftime talk about, you know, things that you guys had looked about, looked at with England and what you thought that the, the U S team was going to be doing in the second half. How is that? How does that switch work? Cause I could imagine myself in that same situation. If we switched roles, I would still be locked in. Like I, there's no way I could think about that camp is I'd still be thinking of like, okay, what can we do to win this cup? What can we do to win this cup? How do you, how do you manage that stuff? Well, it's that's a good question. I don't know that there is a switch. You know, I um, you know the way I'm wired. I believe I always have to be on. Uh, the 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 difference is just uh, you know going into a World Cup. You know, to be any role with uh, with as you put it, the best team in the world. Um, you know, there's a there's a little bit of uh, of I wouldn't call it anxiety, but the the the, level, the weight of the responsibility, you know, you f- maybe feel it a little bit more than uh, than some other environments. Not because I take it any more serious. I take every environment serious. If I'm coaching U nines, I'm going to do my best job by them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to do it any different. But but it's just you know it's new. It's uh, you know I just it was something that was a little bit harder to to not be a little bit nervous about it, but. Uh, but the reason, you know, that doesn't need to be a switch is I think it's because of what my journey has been. You know, I, you know, I, every step of the journey, whether I was coaching high school or junior college or division two or division one or with the 17s, 20s, you know, getting on the World Cup, it has never been because there was this great plan in the path that came to perfection or you know, or my background as a pro soccer player, or my family's back. No, just, I was somewhere working, doing my best, and someone thought that you know what, we could use you. You know, so because of that, that's why you know, yeah, I'll come from France and go do a, a youth camp, and I try to do my best because you know, here I am talking to you. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't have been here talking to you if I didn't come to that camp, and. Do my best. You know? How so, look at this! Look at this! Manny, Manny's leaving the World Cup just so he can come meet me, just so he can be on this show. Look at this. <laughs> this is a unique experience. I, 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 I never got to do this, and when you invited me, um, you know, I, I honestly, I looked at my wife and I said, "Is he confused? Why is he inviting me?" You know, I looked at, <laughs> at some of your guests. I mean, you know, like Becky, who is, you know. An incredible person to to learn from, and you know and Maya Hayes. I mean, so many people with really cool uh, and interesting stories and super accomplished. I'm like, I haven't really done all that. Much. I've been around a lot, but I myself, I don't know that I've 
really done a lot. I've just but all those people that you mentioned and more, they all say the exact same thing when they come on the show. Why are you interviewing me? It's because we like you. That's why. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's 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 divulge here for just a little bit in in this mindset. You know, you're in France. What are what's your day daily routine? What's your daily? Um, you know, what are you doing in your role with the national program uh, leading into winning that World Cup? Yeah. So my, so my role is I was part of a, of a, a scout team. So there were five of us, um, and we were all assigned a number of teams. So I was responsible for scouting uh, Scotland. Japan and Spain, and uh, and we started this process a while back. Um, so I, we we all went to Portugal at the end of February and early March for the Algarve Cup because most of our teams were playing in that tournament, and really that's when we really started, uh, you know, zoning in on our team's uh, full boat. Um, so so I get to France, and uh, you know the first uh, first couple weeks are really, really intense because all our teams are in it and mm-hmm. them can advance, right? So, so you have to, you, you don't, you don't get to focus on one more than the other. So, I mean, I was, I think the first week and a half, I was averaging, you know, three and a half to four hours of sleep per night. Um, that, now, that's typical for a dad. It, it's typical for a dad, <laughs> typical for maybe a coaching season, right? Um, yeah. But, um, uh, but 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 I don't say that complaining because I, I kind of sometimes do that at home anyways. Yeah, uh, same here. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I can't believe I get paid to do what I do. You know, yeah. but don't tell anybody. It's our secret, right? Okay. Um, no one so, go on Twitter right now and talk about that. <laughs> but um, but anyhow, so so it was long days of we we went to matches. Obviously, took notes. Uh, then we downloaded the games broke down the games um, into, you know, and there were specific um, game phases that the staff wanted to, to see, whether it was attacking in the final third, you, you know, how teams build, how teams transition, uh, key players, specific tendencies, set pieces. Um, so we, we had to break down the games, and it was a really um, extensive process because we broke down each game, and then, uh, and then what we did is we labeled um, each clip. I don't know if you, do you if you guys worked with uh, like sports code. Yeah. Okay. So so when you you know you have instances that you create right, and so in one game, let's say you have a hundred or one hundred and fifty instances. So then we went back to each instance and added labels. You know that uh, whether it was players, uh, you know, and the labels were really really detailed. Uh, mm. So that took uh, you know a few hours. You know, and then we added the key instances um, into a matrix that went into a database. So, so for instance, so for Spain, by the time we played Spain, we had a database that was about 10 games worth of data. Wow. That was broken down and then labeled and then into a matrix and then into a database. Um, and that is what goes to the staff. Um, you know, BJ Snow was the head, uh, um, the head scout, so he overseed our team. So we communicated with him on a regular basis. Uh, and then when the when the team was playing one of our teams, so for instance, when uh, you know prior to the Spain game, I got to come in and meet with some of the staff and go over some of the 
some of the tendencies and discuss maybe some, uh, you know, some of the plan and uh, adjustments that may need to be done, uh, which was really cool to be able to be a part of that. Um, but, uh, but, but the, the interesting thing is I get to watch 10 games and break them down in detail and create a summary, you know, the, the, which would be the scouting report for Spain was easily 50 or 60 pages or slides uh, long. Um, but by the time the information gets to the players, uh, and I don't get to sit in depth meeting, so I don't get to sit with the team when the, when the scouts present it, but often, by the time it gets to the players, it's maybe two clips and one slide. You know, so, so the staff needs all that information, but then you, know, you have to minimize uh, how much you or prioritize what you're going to pass on to the, to the team so you don't overload them with uh, information, especially with so many games and the teams are also different. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the process. Now, obviously, as the, as the group stages got to you know to be the last game and, and it started to be clear that certain teams weren't advancing or that weren't on a pathway to play as it gets a little bit easier because then you get to focus only on one or two teams so obviously scotland didn't advance um you know so it got a little bit easier japan at first looked like oh not, you know they, they didn't look so so great uh, you know that first game with argentina but they literally just improved so fast um, and I thought they were maybe going to end up playing as in a semifinal, um, or in a final, I should say. But obviously, they ended up losing to the Netherlands. So once uh, you know, once that happened, there was no more need for me to be there because obviously we had beaten Spain, Scotland didn't advance, and Japan uh, lost the Netherlands. With uh, you know, you, you mentioned too because I, I was wondering because that was my mindset the whole time. Uh, I forget who it was. Was like, oh yeah, Manny literally just flew in from from France, and I was like, well, what's he doing? Well, go back! Like we're still in this. We're still winning. Go, go back, Manny. If we lose this England game, it's your fault because you're not there. So I'm, I'm glad you kind of shed some light on that. Like, oh, like you know, my groups that I looked at were were done. So you know, my I, so I flew back. So that was that's so cool to like know that there are more pieces to the puzzle than just those four or five staff members that we see, uh, you know, sitting on the sidelines, that there is this bigger team uh, at, at hand. And I think that there are probably some out there who are listening to this who are like, I did not know that it was like that. So that, that's super cool that you, uh, you, you kind of peel the curtain back for us there. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely a team behind the team. Uh, and, you know, I would say like my role and each of our roles is pretty minimal. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's maybe a tad bit of information here and there that, maybe is critical at certain points, um, but, you know, but I'd say we certainly are not as impactful, anywhere near as impactful as the immediate staff. But I can, I can tell you right now, Manny, if I was you and I was on a flight heading over there, I'd be decked out Nike, red, white, and blue <laughs> USA from head to toe. And everybody on that plane knows exactly who I am. Yeah, no, I, I certainly, you know, was really proud and, and it's an honor. And, you know, and I have to say, look, I'm a, you know, I'm I'm an immigrant in the U.S. Uh, yeah. So to to have you know to be a kid that was living by myself at 15 in Portugal, and you know, fast forward 20 plus years later, and I'm flying back to Europe to represent the U.S. in a national in a in a World Cup. Um, what an incredible honor! And hell yeah, uh, man, that's the American dream. It is. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, sometimes you know. 
people say, oh, the American dream is is lost or dead, and it's not. No way. No. Not even close. Uh, I, I mean, I think my life has been the epitome of the American dream. Um, but, yeah, it was an incredible honor. Um, and, I mean, gosh, I just like every time that I've been around at every cycle, whether it's the 17s, the 20s, or whatnot, it's been great. I think I'm done. Um, unless someone calls me at some point, then we'll see what happens. But well, I'm uh, telling you right now, whoever is the next head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, if you don't call Manny, you ain't winning. <laughs> I don't know that that was the X factor, but I like the way. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the biggest things that I've got to take away from this interview is honestly, like Nick sometimes will take notes and and he gets into things, and he has just been so enamored that we've heard him say like 15 words the entire time we've been talking. <laughs> No, it's just been, I was, Sean and me always text during the show, and it's just like, like, I, Sean texts, like, man, he's good. And I go, honestly, I'm just so interested in all the stories. Like, I don't, like, I don't even, like, you, you had, you had all the right questions for a night. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we, we look at, um, you know, you come back now and, and the team has won, uh, you know, and obviously you probably, uh, even though being, like you said, a part of the team that's uh, part of the team that's, you know, that's leading the team, you have to watch that final and, and feel proud, you know, not just for yourself, but for what you and your group had accomplished uh, with that, with, with the players. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, people, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, if you follow social media or whatnot, everyone's got an opinion, right? Mm -hmm. and we're all we're all experts, you know, we all know what should be done different. We all know what should be done better. Well, Nick and I are not experts. That's why we do the show to, to showcase the experts. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm certainly not the expert either. But, uh, <laughs> people will think that you're an expert after listening to this. I've, I've been around, uh, people who, you know, at least to my eyes are, are experts. And, uh, and I think, uh, I think, no, I, I have a conviction that Jill is, not only one of the best coaches in the world right now, I think she's one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not only she won, a, you know, one World Cup, she won two. Two, and back to the back. Night, the first one, she had very little time. She inherited a team and, uh, and she made it work. Um, and, uh, and they won, won in a different fashion, right? The first World Cup, you know, you, you could say that, you know, defense was what got them through. This World Cup, you know, it was like all all gas, no brakes, mm -hmm. and and, uh, and it was incredible because you know just to see the the tactical adjustments and uh, and you know and as as fans, there's the tendency to to say, well, you know, if you're the if you're the better team, uh, there's you, you know you should never you know drop back or take a defensive stance or whatnot. But there was times that that made sense, and uh, you know whether you like it or not. You know, at the end of the day, it was a means to, uh, uh, you know, to get to a, to a point and, uh, and it worked, right? Because here, here she is and the team winning another World Cup. And for me to just even be, you know, I, I think my role was, was almost like a fly on the wall. And, uh, and it was incredible because, you know, to, to contribute a little bit, but more so to be around those people, to be, to see how, how real and human they are. You know, because sometimes, you know, we sit behind, you know, the TV and we watch and we're like, oh, my gosh, these people, they must walk on water and they <laughs> must be, like, you know, scary to be around. Uh, and they're not. They're the warmest. They're, they're the most humble, the kindest. Uh, and they make you feel like you're, 
like you're important, like you're like what you have to say matters. And I'm going mm-hmm. like, you guys are the experts. I, I'm here to help <laughs> with some stuff, but don't look at me like I know. Stuff. So <laughs> they, they make you feel comfortable and, and allows you to work and do your best job when you're around people like that. So do so they like, at least send you a championship shirt? Pardon me? Do they at least send you a championship shirt? You, you know, I, uh, you know, and this was a secret. My kids are probably going to find out now. But uh, uh, I have a, a, a jersey that's signed by the whole team that uh, oh, wow. are coming to me. So it's not with me yet, but it's on its way. And I want to surprise the kids, but now they know. <laughs> oh, they won't know. They won't hear this. <laughs> they'll, they'll hear this too late. They'll already have it. Like, oh my god, it was a secret. And that would be, that would be my only request. Like, if I was if I was doing your job at Back Look, like if we win, I just won championship shirt. Yeah. Like, I will. I am doing all of this in the honor of the red, white, and blue, and and help this team out. Just send me a championship shirt afterwards, and that's all that matters. Yeah, mine's coming. <laughs> <laughs> with um, you know, with soccer chat, it's all about coaches just getting together, and we're creating this network. And and how you mentioned, you know, the the coaches that we've had on in the past that you've seen, and and just how everybody's such a, an open book. Um, we try to create this network for coaches to reach out uh, to other coaches. You know, whether you're a high school coach, a club coach, maybe you're the 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 third division, bottom of the table club coach. Uh, you know, you have the opportunity to reach out to the Becky Burleys, the Randy Waldrums uh, of the world. And so we just try to build this 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 connection with with all the coaches around. If there's a way that anybody who's listening to this right now, whether they're they they've got that same goal that you had when you started with that team that was one in thirteen, and 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 how you just built your way uh, here, or maybe there's a, a person who's listening to this who who has the same story that they came over here to America and this is what they want to do and they need to know how to, how to get there. Uh, you know, is it is there Twitter email? How can how can somebody who's listening to this get a hold of you? Well, my uh, you know my Twitter handle is huh, I, I never get to tweet myself, so <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head. But I, you know, you know what? Here's here's the thing. This show used to go for many many months where Nick never knew what his Twitter account was. Well, so it's whenever hard we would to remember, all right, it's it's not the easiest thing to remember. For like I like Manny, don't worry. I honestly like Sean would be like because like, at the end of every show we're like all right like. And what's your Twitter handle? And I'd be like, oh, shoot, I need to I need to go look this up again because I definitely never remember in the beginning. It was even worse when he changed it and he changed oh. it to something even easier to remember and still couldn't get it. But Manny, I just looked it up. You are at Emmanuel Martins. Yep. There you go. So at Emmanuel Martins is my Twitter handle. My email address is uh, mmartins at uorgan.edu. My personal email is emartweb at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and uh, and look, I'm a, I'm a, a byproduct of people giving me a chance and answering questions and and giving me a hand and believing in me. So I'm I'm a strong believer in giving back and helping those that uh, you know because I feel like people have paid it forward to me. So I'm a strong believer in that. So if there's anyone that I can be of help to, whether it's a simple question or anything beyond that, uh, again, I'm no expert in anything, but uh, but if I don't know the answer, we can work together and look for it together. As I say, my grandfather used to always tell me, I may not know everything, but I know somebody who does. And I think <laughs> that in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to, to coaching and, and whatnot, you know, sometimes it isn't about what you know, it's who you know. Uh, and because if we don't know the answer, we know there's somebody who does have the answer and we can definitely get that for you. 
Manny, it was so awesome talking to you. I'm glad that we got to, to have this conversation. And I hope that now, uh, you know, we've built, we bridged this connection between the three of us here. I know Nick's probably going to be, be uh, DMing you a lot, uh, asking you more about Sam Mewis because he wants to turn one of his players into her. Uh, so he's going to ask for like direct uh, direct skills and and exercises to uh, to create the next Sam Mewis at Monmouth College. Um, but it, uh, like we said, it just thank you so much for coming on here. And like you said, maybe nobody knows your story, but I think now everybody's going to know your story. And you're going to have a lot more Ducks fans uh, watching you guys along the season. We want to wish you the best of luck this fall. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, please do follow us. We have an incredible team. Uh, we just finished, just had our first. You have as many session. coaches as you do players. Nick and I were talking about that before you got on here. You have as many coaches as you do players. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we do have a, a smaller roster this year, but... Uh, but no, you have a massive coaching staff. No, it has nothing to do with the minimal... Like, I, we didn't even look at your player roster. We were just talk, commenting on how, like, you guys have, like, on your staff list. It's insane. There's, like, 20 yeah. of you guys. Our our, our, our student-athletes are are very, very, very fortunate. They work hard <laughs> for it. They earn everything they get, but they do have... Uh, Great support, great resources, and uh, we're we're very lucky to get all the support we get for our student athletes. But yes, please follow us. We we're opening this uh, upcoming weekend at Fresno State in Santa Clara, and then we come home for Portland State and uh, Villanova. And uh, yeah, we're we're excited. We're going to be a young team, but uh, very talented, enthusiastic, uh, and we think it's going to be a special year. I feel like we say this a lot, but it's the stories of some of the people that we get to interview and how they got to where they are, are just incredible because so many times they don't follow this traditional path of we're an unbelievable player and then like coached with this unbelievable coach and then like got the job that they end up getting. I mean, guys like Manny are the people that give you and me hope that it, it could work out for someone like us. Yeah. And like he said, like he's a dreamer and he's trying to pass that on. And, you know, it's uh, it, it's funny how like now, like when you and I say like, oh, like Manny did it. So can we like it's actually true. Yeah. I mean, like just his path is just such a cool one. Like this guy was was in France two months ago helping our women's national team. Guy started as a high school coach. Like yeah. before that, he was a 15 year old essentially doing it <laughs> by himself. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Selling like, timeshares. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy when you go through his entire story. It's just when you, when you feel and you like, you just hear how he talks about it. You're like, man, you, you root for guys like that. Like you Absolutely. want people like that to succeed. Absolutely. He, uh, I, 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 like I said in the interview with him at camp in uh, L.A., uh, when, you know, word had kind of gotten around there, like, oh, you know, he just got back from France. I was like, what? What are you? No, go back, dude. Like, what are you doing here? Dude, um, you do not need to be here. Yeah. And he was just so super cool. Like, he hadn't – there was no reason for him to talk to me and and be nice and as as cool as he was. But he was. And I was just like, dang, man, like, I'm talking to a cat that just got done hanging out with the best team in the world. Like, how insane is that? Like, we don't even, like, we, we watch those people on TV, you know? <laughs> yeah. Know them. We, we get to talk to them. I mean, you and me did be, both meet Allie Krieger this year in Chicago, so that was a big deal. But That did happen. But, 
every everything everything else everyone else that he gets to meet we 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 have not gotten to meet yet yeah it uh it's just such a cool story you know and i think i think the thing i love was him talking about how appreciative the staff and the players were of that like the second staff that group of scouts that just like him that you know are there to watch games are there to scout opponents and then when their teams are are out you know they're done and you know i think for the teams to recognize uh, those those coaches and and for the 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 main coaching staff I don't even know if we would call it main coach staff but just like you know that coaching staff that we see on the sidelines to appreciate them as well like that just that gives me even more hope because I I maybe I was amongst the many that just thought that the only coaches were those ones that we saw on the bench but now to know that there's a team behind the team uh, that that's working to make the the program work and I just I I'm floored by it and I absolutely love it. Well, I mean, it's funny because like, you know, that stuff happens, but you rarely get to meet and talk to the people that are doing that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like any other sport where like, you know, the front office, you know, the GM, but you also know that there's actually like 15, 20 scouts out who are out, you know, scouring the world looking for players, but you never hear of who those players are. You just hear of the, the directors of of whatever and and the the general managers and and things along those lines so just such a cool uh little peek behind the curtain and to 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 hear his stories i I wish we would have went a little bit more in detail about you know some of the things he talked about with the coding you know like what were you looking for and and what were what were the instructions given to you about like things to look for um but i still hope uh you know it'd be so cool if somebody who's listening to this show, whether it's you, myself, or, or some, one of our listeners to get that phone call from a national coach and say, Hey, I need your help. Just like they did with Manny. I think that would be such a cool story, uh, to keep getting people like Manny and, and, and like us who don't believe that there's a chance for it to happen for it to actually happen. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Like just, if anyone's looking for that, like Sean and me, like <laughs> we will send our numbers on anything you need so that it, you can get it as well. You know, I, I was joking myself the other day um, after uh, Luis Felipe Scolari was fired from Chelsea and I submitted my resume uh, to the only Chelsea email address I could find on their website. There's a part of me that says I need to send it to uh, Kate Margraf and be like, hey. Give your boy a shot. <laughs> I mean, what what could it hurt, you know? <laughs> we all we all know what the answer is gonna be. So like I'm already batting a thousand. So, you know, why not why not give it a shot? I think just to get like an email back and be like, hey, like, you know, sorry, don't really meet the qualifications. Hey, that's all that matters. Like I just want to know that you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a uh, what an awesome interview and uh you know i i kind of hyped it up a couple weeks ago but if you thought this interview was good wait till next week's we've got a we've got an awesome surprise for you guys uh a new face that we want to introduce you to a fun face uh that you're really going to enjoy uh big shots to manny uh from university of oregon from the u.s women's national program uh for coming on the show this week big show next week big show every week and make sure you listen to the big show on September 4th because you want to remember that one uh, you know Nick people want to join the conversation it's every single Wednesday night 9.30pm Eastern Time uh, on Twitter you just got to follow the hashtag soccer chat if somebody's wanting to chat with you maybe on, on the Twitter or they want to get a hold of you how can they do so I mean I, I've been so good about this for so many weeks but 
uh, at Coach and Rizzo is the best way to get me. And now that we're in season, follow at Scott's W Soccer uh, to keep up with my team and stuff too. What about you, brother? Mine is at Coach Soderling. And last year, uh, Coach Reese really stepped up your guys' social media game. What big plans does she have for the social media this year? If you can divulge any of them. Like, I will tell you off air, but I'm not, I, like, we, we need to, we're going to keep it hush-hush on air because I think she'd kill me. And she has the ability to do that if I, if I spill it before that she actually puts it out. Very, very understandable. Well, like we said, big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, everybody over at Social Media for the High School Athletes, check them out, socialstudentathletes.com and HS Social Media on all social media platforms. We're Duke Tick Brand FC members, so go give our homies a shout out over there at Duke Tick Brand, at Torex. Make sure to let them know that they have the greatest ball pump of all time and that we sent you. And a big shout out to our friends, Ellis Riley, and all the fellas, all the chaps over at uh, Soccer IQ. Hit them up on Twitter at Soccer IQ1. They've got great, great, great tactical guides for you to uh, to quiz your team with and definitely reach out to them because they will help you however they can. Man, we had the amazing Kirk last week. We have Manny this week. What could we possibly have in store for next week? Who knows? We'll have to see because the best part is we get to do this all over again next week. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. Catch you later, brother.